David, the quarterbacks are dropping like flies, and I need to know, as the quarterback of our podcast, what are you going to injure during this show? Liver? Liver. I'll get it right. Color and noun. Color and noun. Bring out your dead, right? That's right. So it is uh, the Fantasy Finish Line podcast. I am Jason, joined as always by Dave. Uh, we are here at the cusp of week three in the NFL. Uh, we've got a couple weeks under our belts now, so we kind of know what's going on. Um, unfortunately, everyone is injured or dead in the NFL, and that's a problem for a lot of people's fantasy teams. I think it's on the cusp, and I've never heard someone say at the cusp, but I don't really know what the cusp is, so I have to do some more research. Um, we could Google it, because that's what you do with things nowadays. So what's the cusp? I mean, it's clearly it's like the pinnacle, right? Or like the, the, the apex. On something. the cusp, phrase. If you say that someone or something is on the cusp, what is you mean they cusp? are between two states. Or about to be in a particular state. So it's a boundary. I'm sitting on the cusp of middle age. Ooh, that hits a little too close to home. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a bo- it's a boundary line, is what you're saying, then? Right. We're on the boundary of week two and week three, basically, because tomorrow week three starts. But we're still digesting week two and the barbecue that we had for dinner. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, what are you drinking over there, Dave? Well, I've uh, I've got an Apothic Red uh, red wine blend, which I really like. Uh, and then I also have a Church Street Devil's Advocate, um, which is a Belgian-style 9% by volume ale. And I'm a, I'm a big fan of that as well. Fantastic. But uh, I'm not going to drink them together. So this is a... You're not going to pour a, them in the same glass? No, I don't think so. That is not recommended by either manufacturer. Yeah, I don't think the manufacturers of beer are going to recommend wine. That just wouldn't make any sense. <laughs> so I am drinking the Two Brothers Citra United IPA. Um, it is an IPA, of course, an India Pale Ale, as we normally drink here on the show. So, uh, you know, I'm digging this one. I had a, another Two Brothers earlier tonight. I think it was the Pinball. So I think we're ready. Um, well, then let's just go ahead and jump into the injuries. <laughs> So, uh, is that like a 40 second long audio clip? We can keep going. <laughs> Bring out today. I'm really glad. I can just drop that in whenever you want. I know that you love that. We're just going to play <laughs> the first 20 minutes of, uh, of the Holy Grail. That I think people would really enjoy it. So, much like the Monty Python skit, there were a lot of injuries on major players this particular uh, week past. And let's start with the quarterback position, because there's a couple. Um, the, the first one that I'd like to bring up is Ben Roethlisberger, who has an elbow injury. 
and he's actually undergoing surgery this week. I believe it was today or it will be tomorrow. Uh, no official announcements yet. But uh, fantasy sites uh, like Roto World and stuff that we frequent and a lot of people should and you should as well um, are not necessarily going to tell us exactly what day people are having surgery if the people are already out for the season. Well, considering there's like laws against it being public knowledge, it's amazing how much we wind up knowing in the first place. Yeah, I mean, it's all passed on, right? So uh, it's, it's people just pestering and asking questions. Um, but in this case, since he's going to be out for the season already, it doesn't really matter when he has surgery. Uh, all that really matters is, is he going to recover from it okay? Did the surgery go well? Uh, and is he ultimately going to come back next year or not? But uh, apart from a dynasty viewpoint, let's look at it uh, from the redraft perspective that we're currently in. Even in Dynasty Leagues, for example, uh, him going out for the year is very impactful for a lot of teams. So this elevates Mason Rudolph to a permanent starting position for the Steelers' offense that's been struggling over the first two weeks of the season. So I had heard that Ben Roethlisberger's elbow was probably hurt sometime in the preseason and that the injury he sustained in Week 2 just kind of put him over the line. Do you suppose that that might have had something to do with why they were struggling? Yeah, whispers that the elbow issue had been going on with him since before the season would make some sense of the fact that they weren't doing very well over the first couple of weeks, especially in the passing game where he usually excels. Just look at last year when he threw for over 5,000 yards. Yeah. So I think personally that uh, this particular situation, although certainly not an ideal one from the Steelers' perspective, uh, it's it's not good to go from a veteran quarterback who's won Super Bowls to someone who's brand new. However, they did bring in Mason Rudolph as a quarterback to eventually become the heir to the uh, the the Pittsburgh Steelers franchise, and they've done that before over the years. But this was actually going to be the guy, according to all the beat reporters, everything that I've read, and following them personally, uh, being a fan of the team. Um, all, all of the people that I talked to on message boards, etc., um, were rooting for him last year to overtake Josh Dobbs. He didn't end up doing that. But this year in the preseason, he actually did overtake Josh Dobbs to become the backup. And that's why they felt confident in selling Josh Dobbs over to the Jaguars, uh, who's now a backup there for Gardner Minshew. Future Hall of Famer, Gardner Minshew II. That's a thing you just said. <laughs> <laughs> and and so I think that Rudolph is a is a person that we're all pretty excited about as Steelers fans because um, we know that although Ben has done really well, thrown for a lot of yards, etc., uh, there's a lot of mistakes out there. He still looks kind of old, etc. This is a prototypical quarterback who is like six five and two hundred and thirty pounds, um, and he he did really well last week throwing two touchdowns uh, with a couple hundred yards. So uh, I'm excited about it. Uh, I personally think that because of the Steelers just trading for a new safety uh, to bolster their secondary and uh, and all the other things that have recently happened on that squad that they're being undervalued. But all that's going to uh, come to a point this week and and next week, um, you know, over the next couple of weeks, basically, uh, we'll we'll be able to determine whether or not Rudolph will be someone that you're going to want to play as a quarterback too. Uh, or maybe even a quarterback one down the road. And if the Steelers' offense has oomph to it, or if they are going to fall apart and become a rebuilding team. But looking at the the statistics of the offense last year, I just can't see that they suddenly would stop scoring points. Sure. I think that's a fair assessment of the situation coming from a Steelers fan. I, I have heard a lot of positive talk from Steelers fans about Rudolph. Um, the people who are not 
professed Steelers fans are not nearly as high on Rudolph. So um, I'm, I'm taking it with a grain of salt. But as someone who had Ben Roethlisberger in Dynasty and now will be starting uh, Mason Rudolph this week, I'm certainly, uh, you know, optimistic. Whether or not that is uh, warranted, I don't know. But that's what fantasy is all about. Yeah, this is the game. Being optimistic right? when you have no business being optimistic. The the one thing to make clear is that they did draft Mason Rudolph uh, in one of the higher rounds. I think he was... Uh, I think a third round or early he, third. He was second or third round pick. He was drafted to play well, and he has played well so far. So um, I, Yeah, he looked decent. Uh, you know, they were down against Seattle, but he had two touchdowns, and, you know, that's not bad. Well, what's the, the worst thing that could happen to a quarterback... Uh, in, in a squad like that is to have someone come in that doesn't know the offense or hasn't been there for a couple of years or is a brand new rookie or is someone that they didn't draft with a lot of uh, um, uh, what are they what do they refer to that like as? draft stock yeah well I mean Minshew was a sixth rounder and he looks like he's gonna you know at least fill in for Nick Foles admirably well like you said we'll, we'll see on all these guys um, so let's move on to Drew Brees he's a thumb injury uh, he had thumb surgery today, according to Ed Werder from ESPN. Hey. The uh, target date for a return will be week 10 after the Saints bye. Uh, a lot of people think that maybe they won't even return him. It depends. If the Saints lose a bunch of games, you get to that point where why would you even bring him back in? But we're not there yet. There's a possibility that they could still win football games. Now let's talk about Teddy Bridgewater. He becomes a starter in New Orleans and puts a damper on the offense, at least in my opinion. But Michael Thomas still... Anything that's not Drew Brees is dampening that offense. Yeah. Michael Thomas received plenty of targets with Teddy under center, but Alvin Kamara, who was 13 for 45 on the ground, one of three for 15 yards receiving, did not. Uh, Also, Latavius Murray did poorly. Uh, Some of that has to do with the fact that they were behind, but if you look at regular situations, game time situations with Drew Brees in, they would normally be going to those players, not staying away from them. So what you're seeing is the mediocrity, in my opinion, of Teddy Bridgewater... Stepping in for a guy like Drew Brees, who's a game changer, I think that this lowers Kamara's ceiling and pushes Latavius Murray off the radar. Uh, but Michael Thomas is still going to be uh, a guy who gets you know ten to to twelve targets a game. That's just going to happen. Yeah, Michael Thomas is going to have the volume of work there for sure. I suppose he's not going to have the crazy catch rate that he had. That's just because Drew Brees is the most accurate passer in history, uh, and Teddy Bridgewater is not Drew Brees. So another interesting note is that Sean Payton today was very ambiguous when uh, asked about the starting quarterback. Uh, Maybe we'll see Taysom Hill take over, or it's possible that maybe he pops in even more often than he did with Drew Brees. And in either of those situations, it's very chaotic, unpredictable, and unwieldy in New Orleans, and I don't really like it. I would wait a few weeks before, obviously, you're only considering these guys in super flex or two quarterback leagues, but I'd wait a few weeks for this to shake itself out so you kind of know what to expect. If there is any sort of pattern to expect. And uh, a side note for Drew Brees, it's a shame that we're not going to have him in the league uh, for a while because he and Tom Brady, I believe, are currently tied for career passing touchdowns. Both of them are 13 touchdowns behind Peyton Manning's all-time record. Yeah, they kept bringing, That would have been a really cool race. They kept bringing that back, but clearly Tom Brady's going to take it over and Brees isn't even going to be close. Yeah. Forget the Patriots. <laughs> 
So Cam Newton with a foot injury uh, could be the end of an era for the Panthers quarterback. A lot of people are saying uh, it was ridiculous. Like after that game he had last week, the entire internet was like, he's going to retire just like luck. Now, I'm not going to go there. Everyone overreacts these days. Everyone's outraged by everything. The same is true with Cam Newton. I don't think he's going to suddenly retire. I think every football player wants to retire at the end of the season. Look at what Ben (laughs) Roethlisberger has said at the end of many seasons before. So, of course, they all are run down and stuff, but these guys want to play. Um, it's just, you know, it, Andrew Luck is the exception, not the rule here. So Newton hasn't been able to throw the ball downfield, uh, since his shoulder issues. And he says he's healthy, but I don't really see that in the accuracy and lack of really far downfield attempts that there used to be. He also isn't running. He's not running at, uh, you know, fourth downs. He's not running when he used to just get those quarterback sneaks. He's not doing any of that. So if we have a foot and a shoulder injury that are lingering, and it looks like the foot is the same one from the preseason, and the latest news uh, from today has him in a walking boot, which is not necessarily uh, saying that he's not going to play next week, but it is saying that his injury is more... um, um, it's it's a little bit worse than it was maybe led on earlier in the week. Yeah, I mean, he played last Thursday, and he's just now getting in that walking boot. So clearly something was nagging at him, and they need to address it. So if we talk about uh, who's beyond him, we have Kyle Allen, and they also drafted rookie quarterback Will Greer in the third round. But I don't think either is primed to be a difference maker or take the mantle from Cam. If Cam Newton ends up not playing, then it downgrades every single person in the Carolina Panthers offense, with the possible exception of Christian McCaffrey. As we saw, and we'll talk about later with Le'Veon Bell, you put the worst quarterback ever under center, uh, the team's probably going to just give the running back more touches. You've got to start thinking, like, what free agent quarterbacks are out there that teams can possibly sign to be backups or just to be a warm body in there? Like, is Jay Cutler going to get a phone call? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know one guy who's not going to get a phone call. Josh McCown? No, McCown's on a team. Not anymore. Josh McCown is on the Eagles. Isn't uh... he, he took snaps on Sunday night when Wentz went out. Isn't isn't Josh? Uh, oh, never mind. Are I you just, thinking of his brother? I just don't like McCown. The other McCown? That's that's a different different. No, story. I wasn't referring to him. I was referring to the other quarterback that uh, never gets a phone call. <laughs> I think Josh McCown actually, because I saw that game. He came in like you said, and then Wentz came in like right away, and Josh was like, "All right, fine." And the announcer, he's like, "That'll be a hundred thousand dollars, please." That was my punchline. Oh, so so the announcer said that right away, and then it was just silence, and it's like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> which is <laughs> these guys are rich which is funny <laughs> when when we all know that that's exactly the case uh but money aside that's not well, he has to keep carrying that clipboard that's Don't not forget. the point uh jets quarterbacks are unusable so sam darnold with mono oh, he's the- he yeah. says he wants to come back until uh in week five because they're not they, only unusable in fantasy they're unusable in real life he has a bye in week four well trevor simeon uh with a leg injury is going to be out so it leaves only luke falk uh, Luke Falk from I think it was Washington State. Uh, so there's no hope for Jets fans. Really? Because I know that's where until uh, October Minshew is from. Uh, well, maybe I'm wrong. You know, I am not the college expert, especially when it we comes need to a guys Sean like, Foss here, like Falk. <laughs> <laughs> so their depth chart is Luke Falk, and they signed David Fails. So they only have one game. They're going to play the Patriots this week. Then they have a bye, and hopefully, for their sake, they'll get Sam Darnold back. When we look at uh, Falk and Fails, I think the the interesting uh, uh, tidbit from there is that, that both of those guys, I believe, were the number three and number four quarterbacks for the Dolphins 
uh, a couple years ago. You are correct about Luke Falk. He did go to Washington State. So you should so believe where me. the hell did Gardner Minshew go? We're not talking about Gardner Minshew. I friend. want to talk about Gardner Minshew all night. I don't. <laughs> uh, so it decreases the fantasy viability of Jameson Crowder, who was getting a ton of targets. Who, also Washington State. Who last week has not been getting very many, obviously. Falk was struggling in the offense. Robbie Anderson still get, uh, got a number of targets, and he was kind of peppering him at the end of the game. He was 4 of 6 for 81 yards, but I don't think we'll be seeing any long balls from Falk to Anderson anytime soon, as the offense will probably be centered around Le'Veon Bell until they can get a, uh, a more um, upright, uh, high-quality quarterback under center. Le'Veon Bell did uh, go 21 for 68 on the ground and 10 for 61 in the air. So he had a fine game, especially in PPR, over 120 yards from scrimmage. And he'll still be forced the ball. So like we talked about... Easy yardage monster. He's always been. We talked about with Christian McCaffrey, uh, with Le'Veon Bell. Even if these teams don't have great quarterbacks, uh, they're still going to force the ball to their great players at the running back position. But we do certainly hope that they straighten out those situations uh, and, and get someone better. Otherwise, their wide receivers are not going to be very good at all and certainly not starting on your fantasy teams. So th- those are the guys that I wanted to talk to right now. Uh, if you want to go over a couple of uh, top performers that aren't owned, maybe for those teams that did have those quarterbacks, or just for someone who has an underperforming quarterback, for example, uh, Christian Kirk, or I'm sorry, uh, Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins. Uh, and, and some other... Christian uh, Kirk Cousins is almost a full fantasy player. <laughs> But, but Kirk Cousins is an example of one of the guys that I would put on the cut list because of the way that, that offense is currently performing. Uh, so if, you're, if you have a quarterback that's not going the way you want uh, that to go, who would you pick up? I mean, yeah, if you have a guy like Cam Newton on your team uh, who you've been relying on and now all of a sudden you're looking like, oh, this isn't going to work for me. Bring out Jedid! So these are the guys that aren't quite dead yet, I suppose. Uh, so um, it's not dead yet. <laughs> so Matt Stafford is owning forty eight percent of leagues. He's currently the number five overall quarterback through two games. Uh, he's thrown two touchdowns in each game, and he's playing well. And he's always been a good talent, but on a team with terrible offenses, and this team is no exception. Well, you remember that it was it was pretty much only last year that that he was uh, down in the dumps and horrible as far as a fantasy quarterback. Because the previous years, he did great. He had tons of yardage. He was a good fantasy asset. I think it's that short memory problem. Um, well, I mean, quarterbacks are supposed to have short memories. Not the quarterbacks. Or we have short memories. Yes, yes. I see. They said, well, Stafford was bad last year. He must be on a downward trend. Well, Stafford's always had a lot of talent. He's had bad supporting staff. Last year, he had Golden Tate for a while, and now he has nothing. But he does have TJ Hawkinson, which is a developing. I wouldn't call talent. Galladay and Jones and TJ Hawkinson, and and I wouldn't call that nothing. Okay, it's not nothing, but it's not you know it's certainly not uh, Antonio Brown and uh, Josh Gordon. Anyways, <laughs> I don't know why I brought that up. I forget the Patriots. You mean just Antonio Brown? Because clearly Josh Gordon's not getting any passes. <laughs> so, anyways. Um, <laughs> His matchups, and, and this is, these are kind of streamer options, in my opinion. Uh, he plays Philly next week. He plays KC the week after. Those are promising-looking uh, options, but you would look elsewhere for his streaming options when he plays Green Bay in Week 6, Minnesota in Week 7. Those are not 
very good uh, options in my opinion. Uh, so Case Keenum is owned in 14% of leagues only, and he's the eighth overall quarterback. He's thrown over 600 yards, and most importantly for him and his staying power, he has zero interceptions so far. Um, if he starts turning the ball over, they're going to go to um, – why I'm drawing a blank on the name. Dwayne Haskins. Thank you. Uh, they'll go to him pretty quick. And, you know, he started the season on the hot seat. So um, he's going to get garbage time action, in my opinion, because the Redskins are bad. They have a terrible secondary. They're going to give up a lot of points this year. Um, so I don't necessarily expect Keenum's good fantasy performances to continue, um, especially because he plays the Bears this week, week three, the Patriots in week five. However, he gets the Giants in Week 4 and the Dolphins in Week 6, and those are great matchups, and I think that you can rely on Keenum at least through Week 6. I don't think he'll be replaced before then unless he has a truly garbage game uh, coming up soon uh, or gets hurt. Um, So he's a streamer option, and then you can try and sell high on him the next time he has a big game. Uh, I I don't know that you'll be successful, but it's worth trying, right? Uh, So Andy Dalton is owned in 31% of the leagues. He is the QB... 11, and he's one of the more consistent guys. He has like 19.7 and 20.2 points over those last couple weeks. Yuck. And he's just above the Andy Dalton line. (laughs) So we're talking about streaming guys. We're talking about guys uh, who you don't have much choice but start, you know, because you don't have any good options. These are not like your top quarterbacks here. Because Andy Dalton is not allowed to trend up. (laughs) Ever. He's going to have a horrible game against the Bills. The Bills' defense is a that's is like a recommended I, I, play. I, I do predict that. Um, so they do have a new offense, and it's an offense that is um, adjacent to uh, the Rams' offense, I suppose. If only because uh, the the new coach of the Bengals, who I don't know who his name is, he once worked on the Rams, and that's all he needed on his resume to get hired. Um, but you know, Andy Dalton did set a career high in pass completions and yardage in week one, uh, with the quarterbacks going out, uh, Dalton is a decent injury replacement by week replacement, just, you know, a forewarning by week start in week four, that's next week. So they play Buffalo this week, as you said, Dave, so skip him that week, uh, week four, he's playing the Steelers. Uh, they have had a bad secondary over the first couple of games. However, they just signed Minka Fitzpatrick and, um, I don't know how quickly he will gel, but I do expect um, instant improvement, at least, in the Steelers' secondary. Um, so we'll, we'll decide on Week 4, Dalton, before Week 4. Week 5, though, I like his matchup against Arizona. He plays the Jaguars and the Rams after that. Um, so if Dalton can play well through this stretch, he does have some tough games. Uh, he may be a quarterback worth owning, if only because of the offense that he's in. This is great that Dalton is fooling Jason, but... You're gonna look back on this and be like, "I was, I was so misguided." My 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 <laughs> idea here is to talk about the players who are playing well, who are not owned in many leagues. I've already told you that they're probably not going to be permanent solutions. However, if you are streaming quarterbacks, my recommendations are Matt Stafford in week three and four, Andy Dalton week five, Case Keenum week six. Fair enough. I think that if you're streaming quarterbacks, you could do worse than that. All right, Charlie. All right. I feel like a prize asshole. No one even mentions my casserole. I got good feelings. I got good feelings. You could have said something nice about my professor role. 
is a little slow to bring a tear to your eye. I was shopping for a wetsuit to scoop a dive. But every suit I try was too big around the thighs. And the assistant suggests I try a lady's size. That's pretty good. <laughs> Big fan of Flight of the Concords there. By the way, if you are listening, um, if you can hear me, then you are listening. Make sure to let us know what you think the theme of the music is so that you can tell us and we will possibly send you a prize. Um, there's a theme pretty much every week and all the songs we've played so far fit that theme or a theme. So, you know. Jason wants to send someone a prize, so... So email him Someone, at come on. jason at drink5.com and let him know what the theme is. Yes. You, you guys got it. You guys got it. One of you, one of you guys out there, just uh, send out the email. Okay. So at the running back position, we have James Conner with a knee. All signs point to him playing this week. Uh, but of course, uh, whenever anyone's on the injury report, especially in an offense where there's generally just one running back, um, or one major wide receiver, everyone's going to jump to uh, bring the back pa- uh, the backup onto their squad. In that case, it's Jalen Samuels. And I like Jalen Samuels. I have no issue with him, but I just don't think that there's going to be a lapse in James Conner. However, uh, it is a possibility. If he's not going to play, Jalen Samuels will get the lion's share because that's what Pittsburgh does. We saw that last year. Uh, you know, James... Uh excuse me, Jalen Samuels, did quite well. Yeah, well, whoever is the running back. Does he have that goofy uh, tight end eligibility again this year? No. Okay, good. That stuff drives me nuts. I don't know what uh, leagues that were in, that was in either, because it's not always the same across all. Across platforms. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Like Yahoo, at least used to, set it at the beginning of the year and never change it. And Yahoo, he is running back only. Uh, and in our preferred, at least my preferred for, uh, website, Flea Flicker, um, I believe he is also running back only. Well, I think most places decide, and then they won't actually change the person unless they are officially declared to be the other position on the team's depth chart for a number of weeks, um, which makes sense to me. Sure, but, but if someone's named the starting quarterback, don't you think they should just be the quarterback? Amen. When you set a rule, you should follow the rule. <laughs> All right, let's move on. <laughs> um so, yes, the Steelers tend to pepper the starting running back with carries as long as they're playing. So I ultimately wouldn't start anyone but Connor as long as he's active and starting. Especially because they're going to have Mason Rudolph starting. They're going to want to lean on that run game because that's the best friend of a young quarterback. Uh, and I agree. Uh, Damian Williams, knee, and LaShawn McCoy, ankle. This is kind of fun. So we, If we combine them, can we get one whole running back? No. First of all, <laughs> da- Damian Williams, uh, I forget the, state that I, uh, the stat that I was talking about earlier in the year, but I believe he hasn't had more than like 50 uh, rushing attempts in a year ever. And I don't expect... Oh, that, that's a good one. I'm checking on that. I don't expect that he's going to be around for this entire year because he's not, ever. Did you say more than 50? Yeah. Because he's had 50. Okay. <laughs> then I'm right. <laughs> you are right. Last year he had 50 attempts. Well, when you look at that stat and then everyone grabs him as you know the number one on the offense, of course that's a problem to begin with. So you know who uh, who thinks that he is is not like a, a very strong, reliable running back? Every team in the NFL, <laughs> and also the coach. And that's why you grab a guy like Lashawn McCoy. But Lashawn McCoy happens to be an old running back. And what happens to old running backs? 
they get injured. So who do they have? Damian Williams, who's injured. They needed injured. to get Frank Gore. Apparently. LaShawn McCoy, who's injured. They got the wrong running back from Buffalo. Now, it's likely that one of them ends up suiting up, but the reason to look at this is that uh, over the course of the year, they will both have injuries all the time. And that's why I like Darwin Thompson, who will soon be getting more snaps in the coming weeks. You're going to see him be part of that offense. And it's still someone who's not uh, owned in a ton of, of leagues. So definitely... Uh, someone who's good to to pick up. Um, I think that if both of those guys are unable to go at some point here, that that's a guy that could immediately be one of those uh, game changers because Darwin Thompson has the stuff to be a three-down back. And we've talked about this uh, with Sean, who's our college expert, and a number of other people uh, as well as other experts out there. And it hasn't happened yet. I mean, it's a guy you could have on your bench the whole season expecting for this to happen. And Damian Williams or LaShawn McCoy or one of one or the other is always healthy. So it's not a guarantee. But we do know that those guys are both going to be sort of injury prone going forward just because of their situations. Josh Jacobs with a groin. I've also heard that it's more of an abdominal strain according to uh, the last Roto World article. And it's all attached. What's interesting is that he hasn't hopefully been, he hasn't been used in the passing game. There were zero targets last week, so it could be completely because of his injury. Probably is. Maybe they're allowing him to run, but he's not really doing well with the the whole running a route, jumping, and things like that. Um, so Jalen Richard uh, and the other guy who I forget his name um, on the Raiders offense is uh, they're they're soaking up the targets because of that. Uh, he's a guy who's going to be a little bit disappointing. Uh, probably in the matchups upcoming until he's healthy again. That'd be DeAndre Washington. Yes, because once he is healthy, he will again go back to getting those targets. They want to use him as that three-down guy, but if he keeps getting um, injured uh, in this way, and it happens to a lot of rookies, if he keeps getting injured, then we're going to see much more of Jalen Richard and DeAndre. Devin Singletary has a hamstring injury. He played well last week. Six rushes for 57 yards and a touch. He was ruled out late in the game with that hamstring. Uh, The best, at least most explosive running back in Buffalo right now. Frank Gore is the guy who is is still starting and chugging along. 19 for 68 and a touchdown. Two receptions for 15 yards. So, he's startable this week if Singletary is limited or out. It's so weird for me to say that Frank Gore is still startable as like an RB2 on your squad, but he is. And and uh, Devin Singletary is someone that we really want to see. I think all of us think uh, that he could take over that backfield. But the problem is, until he actually does, it's still Frank Gore's game. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about some of those uh, uh, top performers. Some of the are... guys we can pick up. So um, Raheem Mostert. And I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but sure. he's owned in 46% of leagues. Uh, the 49ers have the most muddled, successful backfield in the league. There's probably other teams that are more confusing, but they're unproductive. So uh, Mostert is the RB12 so far, uh, and he leads his team in backfield fantasy points. Um, but, you know, that's mostly due to his Week 2 performance. Um, and in Week 2 against the Bengals, the 49ers had three different running backs to get at least 10 carries. So that is just fantasy hell, really. You can't pick a guy uh, in order to you know lean on them. But they all did score double-digit fantasy points. So no matter who you picked, you did all right. But that is not going to happen every week. Um, so it's, it's very much a crapshoot. 
and uh, what we need are you know something solid. So unless Coach Shanahan decides to stick with one of them, or even just two, and makes it uh, just a, a two-headed attack, I, I would let other people deal with that. Uh, unless you're desperate at the position. Well, the so, funny thing is Tevin Coleman's going to come back, and since uh, Shanahan likes him so much, there's going to be four people involved. And I, Jeff Wilson. Uh, that could be five people. That's rough. It'll be really exciting. So <laughs> Carlos Hyde is owned in 53% of leagues, um, and for him, volume is the key. He said 30 carries through two games. It's clear that they're not going to be giving the ball to Duke Johnson all game uh, because Carlos Hyde is like the first, second down guy. Duke Johnson is the third down back. Um, so I think that you're going to see a reasonably high floor for Hyde, who's owned in 53% of leagues. Um, so he is a top 20 uh, running back right now, I believe, uh, or at least a top 25 guy. Uh, I, I like him as a plug-in for a high floor, and if something were to happen to Duke Johnson, um, I don't know that Carlos Hyde would necessarily get one more work. He has only one target so far on the season. So no, they'd probably just grab somebody else. Yeah, I or... think they would replace the third down back. But uh, you, you've got a, a high floor, sort of low ceiling guy when it comes to Carlos Hyde. Um, but hey, you know, in week three, the pickings aren't great, so you're not going to get <laughs> all kinds of um, awesome players necessarily from the wire. But these are the guys who are performing well overall, who are possibly still available in your league. You know, I, I did. Uh, I forgot a guy I wanted to bring up real quick, who's Marlon Mack, who actually missed practice on Wednesday. Um, so it's funny because he was spotted carrying a walking boot, not actually in one. He was just thinking about it. But uh, Nahid, is it like when you have to carry a football around all the, all over the place because you fumble? That's right. So <laughs> if you're uh, not walking well, you have to carry a walking boot. So Naheem Hines would be great if Mack is not going to play, but that's not something that we know of yet. It's just uh, a situation that's developing. Um, I I. Uh, I agree with uh, the guys that you mentioned, and yeah. and I especially like uh, Mostert, and I know that we talked about that backfield kind of being convoluted, but I feel like um, that it's it should be Breda and Mostert, and I think that should be all that there is. Uh, the problem is with Jeff Wilson and Tevin Coleman and other guys uh, operating in there, but I think they'll eventually figure it out, uh, at least I hope they will, and so... There's a reason why Mustard is owned by 50% of teams, and two weeks ago it was probably like six. Yeah. And it's because people know that uh, these explosive performances over time, uh, especially with some consistency that we're seeing with him, um, are, are going to trend uh, in a good direction. So um, one of the – back at the quarterback position real quick, there was a couple of names that you dropped in there that we forgot to mention. Uh, Josh Allen, who I fully endorse over all of the quarterbacks we mentioned. Well, he's probably he's owned been in like great. 70%. He's owned league. in 63% of Yahoo leagues at the moment. Yeah. And he gets a great matchup this week against Cincinnati. We'll talk about that uh, coming up near the end of the show. But uh, Josh Allen, I think, was the number two uh, fantasy quarterback over like the last half of the season last year, and he's doing very well this year, already uh, up over 40 points. And Jacoby Brissett, who has spent the entire offseason as a starter, so this is not a guy who is just thrown into the role. He's only owned in 17% of leagues, um, and he has, you know, a, a reasonably favorable schedule with Atlanta, Oakland, Kansas City um, coming up. So well, it's kind of I how like that. it's kind of how I, I think. Uh, we're going to see Rudolph maybe, for example, because here's a guy who's not throwing for a ton of yards, uh, but he's getting a couple touchdowns per game and, and, and just gener in general keeping the ball away from the other team. So, for example, he only threw for 146 
yards uh, last week, but he had three touchdowns and an interception. And the week before, uh, week one, he threw for 190 yards, but he had two touchdowns. So I think that's kind of why he's off the radar is that he's not throwing for those gaudy numbers. Yeah. But he only had one interception and five touchdowns. I think that'll come. I think the better numbers will come as well. So uh, if you're on a team that has good uh, offensive skill players and you're a quarterback that doesn't give up the ball, you will be a good fantasy quarterback. Yes, this is true. It's almost time to talk about the entire Eagles receiving core. <laughs> yeah, all of all of the Eagles are injured this week. <laughs> so so why not? Elshon Jeffrey with a calf. Uh, the Eagles canceled practice on Wednesday, which is an interesting thing to do. Yeah, uh, what the hell happened there? They, My dad texted me that. They didn't have any like players that were healthy. So they're like, why would we why would we practice? I guess that's a very reasonable stance to take. <laughs> so uh, since their entire team is injured, uh, at this point it's not likely that Jeffrey plays in week three. Uh, but Nelson Aguilar, who was 8 of 11 for 107 yards and one touchdown, should be pretty good along with Zach Ertz. 8 of 16 for 72 yards. Those guys are going to get all the targets in the offense. Uh, there are some other people that we could speak about, uh, but I don't feel like they actually have fantasy roles unless they make one for themselves. There's, uh, there's Whiteside, um, but he hasn't really done anything. Just J.J. Arthega. Whiteside. I'm just shortening the amount of syllables. That I, I just want to point it out because Chris Collinsworth made sure to say that like ten times he's, during he, the broadcast. He wanted everyone to know that he could pronounce uh, Ortega right, even though it's spelled with a C. It's Spanish, I'm <laughs> guessing. I don't. I, I know the Spanish alphabet, and I know C is not pronounced T H. But like Spanish <laughs> with that lisp, the Barcelona kind of C. That's Chris Collinsworth. He's got that Barcelona lisp. Yeah, he's he's a <laughs> cultured man of the world, Dave. So I think Aguilar and Ertz have a field day, a fantasy field day, against the Lions in Week 3. And I, I don't know that the Eagles will even do well. I mean, the Lions might beat them, but it doesn't really matter from a fantasy perspective because the players, good point. The players getting the targets are going to be those guys uh, and, in a lesser respect, uh, Miles Sanders. So the Lions, I think, are giving up a decent amount of points to opposing wide receivers. They're the 10th most. Yeah, well, Ertz had 16 targets uh, last week. Uh, he'll probably have a similar amount this week. And I would be surprised if Aguilar doesn't have uh, near 100 yards and a touchdown. because I, I wouldn't be because Aguilar drops too many passes. But there's no one else to throw the ball to. I know. They're going to keep throwing it to him, even if he drops it three times. I, I agree with you. Oh, I kind of assume that Jeffrey or Jackson will be back. No, Deshaun Jackson uh, is not going to be back uh, for week three or four, according to Tom Pelissero from the NFL.com. Okay. And other beat reporters that I've seen uh, talk about his injury because he's actually had that injury uh, for for games and games, even going back to the preseason. And it's one of those things, kind of like Roethlisberger, you got an older player, he wants to hide it, he doesn't bring it out, he comes out a little bit, uh, and then if it gets too much, at that point you've probably injured it more than you would have if you had just treated it to begin with. Yeah, I mean, there's certain injuries that you can play on and there's certain injuries that you can't. 
Well, Deshaun Jackson is his whole deal is speed, and if he doesn't have the speed from a what's a, a groin injury, then he's not going to be able to play. Right. He doesn't have any other like side to him. He's not suddenly he a slot He runs like receiver. three routes. Yeah, he's just a uh, long. He does it slant. better than you know almost everybody who's ever done it. But you know, yeah, unless he can run full speed, he needs to stay out of there. Uh, Michael Gallup with a knee. He's been doing really well on the Cowboys. Six of eight for sixty-eight yards last week. Seven of seven for one hundred and sixty-eight yards in week one. Is, is they've gotten their passing offense going, and and granted they've played some some teams that weren't that great. But look. Look at this week approaching. They're playing the Dolphins. Um, this would be a week again for him to, to be marched out onto fantasy rosters. Uh, he certainly would have put up more than 100 yards in this particular game. But he has a meniscus injury, so he's going to have to have a scope, um, uh, an arthroscopic procedure on his knee. And that's going to sideline him for two to four weeks, which is too bad. Because that means in a couple of redraft leagues, I will probably drop him. Uh, and some I've already dropped him. And I like Michael Gallup. I liked the idea of Cooper and Gallup being this... You don't think he's worth holding on to? I mean, he's done really well. No, I don't. Because I don't expect the Cowboys to continue to throw for like 400 yards of offense every game. And Is that some fool's gold, in your opinion? Yes, it's fantasy fool's gold. All right. That and in early in the season where you need to win games, uh, you don't need to be keeping on your roster WR2s uh, that could be traded in for someone who might do well for the rest of the season. I mean, you can have a barren wasteland of injured receivers on your bench if you like. <laughs> but I will let someone else... Have you else, been looking at some of my team's days? I will let someone else pick up those players. David Moore. <laughs> well, I think it's important to talk about some of these strategic items, right? Sure. And in, I'm in a bunch of leagues. I've I'm had in, people ask me if they should be dropping Tevin Coleman. And, and they certainly could. I have in leagues. Yeah. But the point is, he could come back and do well, right? But... The coulda, woulda, shoulda. He's not performing for your team right now. If you don't win these games right now, then you're gonna lose and you're not gonna make the playoffs. So what is what is the point of keeping players? You know, you're not running an NFL franchise here. In, in unless it's a dynasty league, you don't get them back the following year. That's true. So just go out and get talent while talent is available. Okay. Um. Anyway, I think Devin Smith is gonna be out there. Maybe he'll take some of those targets. I don't have a lot of trust in that. Jason Witten. They've got Randall Cobb as well. I don't think Randall Cobb is very important either. Uh, do you have Cobb on any squads? Uh, Does anyone own Randall Cobb? I'm like a deep dynasty team. I didn't drop him yet. <laughs> uh, Jason Witten, I think, will be the this guy. About the kindest thing I can say. Especially this week. Jason Witten against the Cowboys. Uh, Roto World and other sources will say he is touchdown dependent. Of course he is. Guess what? He's going to score a touchdown against the Dolphins. Uh, Tyrell, I mean, sure. <laughs> Tyrell Williams uh, has a hip pointer, and that's not horrible news. But he's still questionable for Week Three. He's going to go up against Xavier Rhodes as well this week, and uh, um, I think that it was already a bad matchup. He's a little injured going into it. Even if he does play, it's not a great play. Might be a player to avoid starting against the Vikings. Uh, so Darren Waller is, from my perspective, the guy who's going to uh, have the most positive. Uh, net gain from this situation. Uh, I know you can't pick up Darren Waller right now, but for those of you that did grab him in fantasy drafts, uh, this is one to start for sure. Way to have faith in like the tight end 30 going into the draft. It might be a Darren Waller uh, game for the record books here against uh, against the Vikings. I'll take it as long as I'm not playing against you with Darren Waller. <laughs> um, but but I do like Tyrell Williams, and it's kind of, it's kind of a shame um, because that's one of the... One of the only guys 
on the Raiders after Brown left that, that can make those kinds of plays. You he know? is clearly the top target on the team, and he's an every-week start, if healthy. Yeah. Uh, there was another guy that I wanted to mention, and I, I forgot who that was. There are too many injured players, Dave. <laughs> Traquan Smith is uh, yes, not that, practicing. That's who I was going to talk okay. about. But, but ultimately for Traquan Smith, uh, because Drew Brees is not there, it is kind of inconsequential. Although he did perform very well with Breeze, I don't find uh, that his current quarterback situation, unless it changes and develops into something else, is is going to uh, facilitate him scoring a lot of fantasy points. So go ahead and move on to your top performers that are not... Uh, I just have a question about injured guys coming back. David Moore is coming back, and clearly Seattle has a lack of targets. Do you see any value there with Moore? No. Okay. I think it's DK and Lockett. That's fine. And they've got Will Disley, yeah, or whatever I, that, that's worth. I, I'm not sure that that's like a real trend, but we'll see. So top performers at wide receiver that are interesting or not owned. So I just need to bring this one up. I know he's not going to be available because he's owned in 78% of leagues. But John Ross is the number one wide receiver in standard scoring right now. Let that sink in. John Ross has 45 fantasy points through two weeks. That's like probably triple his career total. Um, so we've got DJ Chark in the in Jacksonville. He's thirty three percent owned, and you can insert um, whatever the shark said, or I don't know what that is. I don't have kids. I don't know what the hell that song is. Baby Shark. Baby Shark. That's oh, what it is. Baby come on. Shark. You got to watch it on YouTube after the show. I mean, I've heard the song played <laughs> on fantasy shows all week long now. Um, but yeah, I I have not been around a small child lately. I don't know Baby Shark. So, but DJ Chark is the WR5 overall uh, because of New Jags quarterback and future porn star Gardner, Gardner Minshew II. Uh, Shark has a touchdown in each of the first two games, and he doesn't have a lot of targets, but he's catching what comes his way. I believe he's 11 receptions on 13 targets. Um, and I think that when he can come down with everything that comes his way, it's going to build confidence in uh, Minshew very quickly, and he'll keep going his way. Um, so as is tradition, the Jaguars are going to be playing a lot of catch-up games, uh, and there'll be a lot of garbage points, which always count as regular points. So don't worry that they're garbage points. They still all count the same when the clock hits zero. Um, so we do get to watch them tomorrow night in the Why Are We Subjected to This in Primetime Bowl uh, when we get to watch the Jags and the Titans on Thursday Night Football. Um, so I, I want to know, Dave, I should say, I think Chark is a worthy fantasy start probably for the rest of the year. He's probably going to be the guy on that team. I think he could finish in the top 20. Do you agree? I think the Jaguars' offense is going to be very topsy-turvy. Um, but I don't disagree that Chark is good. He's the guy who has uh, who has come out um, as the top receiver there. And uh, I, I think that once a quarterback locks onto a guy and they're both healthy – that they're going to have a good fantasy relationship. So. Yeah, forget D.D. Westbrook, forget Marquise <laughs> Lee. It's D.J. Chark That's Jr. That's right. Chark, Chark on the Jags, man. Baby Shark. <laughs> uh, so Demarcus Robinson, owning 64% of leagues. Um, I hope you didn't twist your ankle trying to hop aboard the Demarcus Robinson bandwagon um, because that was clearly the uh, trend this week after he had basically an enormous quarter where he had two catches and like 170 yards. Not two catches, but two touchdowns and like 170 yards. But temper your expectations, as we like to say, um, because, like I said, all of his fantasy points for the whole year so far has come in one quarter. 
Um, that being said, Pet freaking Mahomes is his quarterback, and he can make anybody a WR one, you know, just by looking his way enough times. Just ask Sammy Watkins. So you clearly didn't get Demarcus Robinson on any of your teams, right? Uh, no, I did not. But I, I actually went the Miko Hardman route. So I disagree with you, but that's fine. You know, fantasy is is all about disagreements. I just think that Robinson's going to be a feast or famine guy. Robinson was on the field for ninety five percent of the snaps. And it's true that he didn't get a lot of points except for in one quarter. However, he was on the field. For, well, neither did the rest of the team. He was on the field, and that was the thing that, that shows the trust in the player. So sure, for, that for matters me, a lot. I feel like he still will be the guy who's the number two receiver on that team until Tyreek Hill comes back. I don't believe in Mecole Hardman, the rookie, when when uh, Demarcus Robinson has already gained respect and trust from the organization. And you are essentially echoing your sentiment from last week. You get credit. You said this all last week that Hardman was not the guy to have. That Robinson uh, w- was the guy. And Hardman did have a touchdown last week too. I think that all these guys are going to be good candidates for a touchdown in a good game every week. But when Tyreek Hill is healthy, I don't see enough room for Demarcus Robinson between Robinson and Kelsey and Hill. So I think that what you should do is, if you've got Demarcus Robinson, use him as trade bait as soon as possible. Yeah, again, I disagree, but that's fine. Uh, obviously, you just don't really see him as a lasting person, and I do. But the, the biggest reason is because I don't necessarily think Tyreek Hill is coming back anytime soon. Uh, the injury he had seemed pretty bad. And he had to go to the hospital because it was like uh, it could affect his his lungs. And so shit. I don't necessarily expect him to be rushed back on, especially if they continue to win games and they have a couple of good targets. But yeah, you're right. All those people were scoring touchdowns. You probably don't know who's going to be the guy that's going to break out with 200 yards and a touch in a in a Kansas City Chiefs game. I really only go by uh, targets and snap percentages. Sure, and that's you know that's what we preach around here. Um, so but, we'll see. It, it remains to be seen. I, I, I'm just <laughs> saying, Robinson's great. I'm saying turn him over rather than watch him uh, fall back into obscurity when Tyreek Hill comes back. Because I like Tyreek Hill coming back on the regular timeline. He's always sort of come back when he should. Even when he had a, a foot injury last year, he was playing and he was putting up points. Uh, so I, I could see him. Uh, coming back on the regularly scheduled timeline that they have for him. Uh, And then we've got Terry McLaurin, owned in 61% of leagues. Uh, And I do believe that the quarterback is going to wind up changing in Washington, but the wide receivers will not. So McLaurin has had seven and nine targets this year. That's encouraging for a guy who, you know, plays on the outside. Um, He's got a touchdown in every game. He's currently the WR7. And the Redskins, like the Jaguars, are going to be playing in plenty of garbage time this year. So there's going to be plenty of work for McLaurin. Um, He's going to be fantasy relevant, although matchups against the Bears and the Patriots would lean you know, would make me want to sit him during those weeks. Yeah, he's the number one receiver there uh, for the Redskins, and it's not really going to matter if it's Keenum or Haskins or what's going on, and they're generally going to be behind, so they're going to throw the ball. So I think he's uh, – Scary Terry is good in, in almost all situations. But Scary Terry, bitch. You you do need to prepare yourself um, for for games in which they don't have any points because the Redskins are not going to just march to victory – uh, all year or anything. Although I have a bet with Jason about uh, who's going to be worse, the Giants or the Redskins, and they both look pretty bad right now. But we'll we'll, we'll see. Maybe we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll check out. Eli Manning did not stick through. around as long as I was hoping in that bet. No. <laughs> um, I another guy I wanted to mention who's not owned yeah, in yeah, a yeah. lot of leagues, Debo Samuel, 
who has been fun because he's been in this battle with uh with Dante Pettis. And Dante Pettis, is it really a battle if one person isn't doing anything? Well, every single week, Dante Pettis was first of all uh, before the season even started was listed as the number one wide receiver on the team. Yeah, and everyone drafted him as the number one wide receiver on the team. And then the coach said he would be the number one wide receiver on the team. And he was on the field for like one snap last week. And then he didn't play any snaps. Oh. And, and then the next week he didn't play any snaps. And each time Marquise Goodwin and Debo Samuel were the starters. So Samuel caught five of seven targets for 87 yards and a touchdown last week. Uh, he played 60 of 68 uh, offensive snaps in week one. And Pettis was limited to two. So I think it's pretty clear that uh, unless something else comes up, uh, it is going to be Debo Samuel and Marquise Goodwin. So Debo Samuel should be owned in every single league uh, being thrown he's to by Garoppolo. He's only owned 30% of leagues right now, folks. The fact that he's not being picked up doesn't make any sense to me. Well, we said before the season started, Marquise Goodwin will be good still, and we were right about that, and it didn't make sense to us why people didn't catch that. So. Well, the coach is not telling the truth. Absolutely. And he hasn't been the whole year. And but there's that's no, nothing new. Well, it is in this situation. They at least usually say who their wide receivers are. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, you know, hey, we'll, we'll find out next week. You know, they play the Steelers. That's a big game for both teams. Yeah. So, I mean, to, to not uh, include Samuel, I think, is, is a, a little short-sighted. I think he needs to be owned in all leagues. Uh, sure. He just wasn't like a top 25 point scorer which is why I didn't make my list. There is a, but he's a good inclusion here. There is a possibility, of course, that like suddenly they start playing Pettis or he was in some kind of doghouse situation. But I just don't understand why that would be the case. Um, and yes, he's, he's a trending up player because the first week he only had three receptions for 17. But with 86 yards and a touchdown, I think we'll see him in a higher bracket going forward. Alrighty. Don't let yourself go That's right, Michael Stipe. Yep. Thank you for that. Sometimes everything Thank you for letting us know. It's okay to hurt. Unless you're on my fantasy team. <laughs> and then I'm going to cut Then tough ass. it up, damn it. So tight end uh, is the last one we're going to go over because we don't really care if kickers are hurt. You just pick up another one. David Njoku uh, had a concussion, and if you guys saw the game... Uh, guys and girls out there, if you saw the game, it was a horrible situation, first of all, because he was he was thrown to by Mayfield in a situation in, in which he had no choice but to just be in a terrible position at the end of that play. Uh, he jumped up in the air, there were two defenders surrounding him, and he came down on his neck, uh, and he apparently has a concussion. And that's what almost everybody thought uh, after the play uh, immediately happened. But what they didn't realize occurred... Uh, during that same play was that he broke his wrist. So break your wrist, get a concussion. It's a pretty bad day. You're going to have a bad time. Especially. He pizzaed when he should have French fried. Especially if, uh, you know, you needed him to score a couple points on your fantasy squad. So uh, sounds like Dave lost the game last week. It, it looks like uh, it will leave him on the sidelines for a couple weeks. And speculation from beat reporters has him coming back in week eight, which again is one week after the bye week, which when bye weeks are out there and you have injuries this early, that's almost always what they'll, they'll do. No real reason to uh, test a broken bone if you have an extra week to uh, to rest for it. 
So that's uh, enough time to get over the concussion too, which is kind of fun. I believe this is David Njoku's first concussion ever. So that's exciting. He's the opposite of Jordan Reed, who has like 13. Um, at least we know that he's not going to suddenly retire from the game of football. However, I have strong feelings about perhaps cutting him from my fantasy teams because week eight is too long to wait. Yeah, for a redraft uh, tight end, you don't need to be clouding your bench up with that. I, I agree with that. Um, so there are three guys on the top ten that meet my criteria for the uh, not owned in many leagues but doing well. But I don't really recommend any of them necessarily. <laughs> but I'll just well, bring the, them up. It's anyways. the end of the rainbow. It is. So Will Disley is owned in 26% of leagues, but he's a product of a two-touchdown game. He only had one catch in week one. Uh, Jason Witten is owned in 33% of leagues. He pulled a rabbit out of his head and had a touchdown each week. Um, but he has no more than 25 yards in either game. And then you have Vernon Davis, who is an old man hurtling people, and none of this makes any sense. <laughs> so I don't expect Jordan Reed to come back and take over Vernon Davis's job. And I guess Vernon Davis will get the most looks each week from this group. But Dave, you had a great suggestion uh, to add to this group, and it's Tyler Eifert. Well, Eifert is almost always injured at the beginning of the season after coming out with He's a almost always injured preseason. for the entire season. At, from the beginning <laughs> of it. So what I'm saying is take advantage of what you have right now, which is in this offense uh, a pretty good uh, target ratio. So the last two games they played, he got five targets in each, which is good for tight ends. Uh, he didn't come up with a whole lot out of that, but uh, I feel like he will continue to get that many targets. So if you can get at least five targets as a tight end, uh, you can generally come up with uh, either a touchdown or a good amount of yards. And if you're at the bottom of the barrel, that's pretty good. However, out of your group, I would I would totally recommend Jason Witten this particular week against the Dolphins with no Michael Gallup. I feel like he's going to get the most targets out of all of them. Um, okay. That, that's a fine recommendation. But I don't want any of those tight ends either, my friend. I just <laughs> that, That's what's left. I, I, where I have Ninjoku, <laughs> I tried to get Disley. Um I don't even think I got him. I but the the Ninjoku uh, injury really just came to light today. It was probably concussion, but now broken wrist. You have to replace him now. Yeah, Will Disley is like a mirage, though. I mean, especially with Seattle. You remember when Luke Wilson was on Seattle, and suddenly he'd have like a two touchdown game, and then they're like, "Oh, well, we realize that he's not actually a good tight end." And so did we're they not just gonna... rename Luke Wilson to Will Disley? Yeah, uh, we're not going to throw to him anymore. I don't know. <laughs> I don't like this. So. Um, so let's move on to the last segment of the evening. Let's look forward to week three and a few matchups that we can exploit. Um, so while I was writing this in my defense, Cam Newton in my world was not in a walking boot. So, well, he's still, he's still not ruled out for, for next week. It's true, but I believe the headline was looking more and more like he won't be playing. <laughs> uh, for the second week in a row, Cam and Kyler are facing off against the Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, last week, they both played different Heisman Trophy winners. Anyways, that doesn't matter. Um, so the Panthers have looked flat and they've been bad this year. And I expect this to be Kyler Murray's first NFL victory. Um, so I would start most of the Cardinals this week, at least the main guys, Fitzgerald, obviously you're starting Johnson and Christian Kirk. 
Um, but it is a good matchup for Cam should he play. The Cardinals have given up the second most points to opposing quarterbacks. So this is the week for Cam to sort of get back in his groove. And if he does play and he's healthy enough to play and he can't figure it out against the Cardinals, then it's time to move on from Cam Newton in fantasy football, at least for this year, in my opinion, at least for now. Um, I like Greg Olson here. The um, uh, Cardinals were lit up by TJ Hawkinson and Mark Andrews in the first two weeks. They're getting burned by all tight ends. Yep. I mean, the Cardinals are getting burned left and right in most situations. Um, But obviously you're starting uh, Christian McCaffrey anyway, so I don't. You know, I I'm, didn't even write that down. I'm paying close attention to them. So just specifically, uh, the secondary is not very talented, and they've had some issues there in depth. Um, and so what happens... Yeah, they get Patrick Peterson back in week six, I want to say. They'll immediately be better when they have... Uh, yeah, uh, take advantage of it now, though. But but what they're doing is they're uh, double-teaming or going only for the wide receivers and letting the tight ends get whatever they want. Yeah. Because what's the alternative, I guess? <laughs> exactly. I mean, you, you, in a NFL team, you can only defend so many things because you yeah. have to double team, you have to shift attention, you have to look in one direction, and uh, all the offenses are great at misdirection now. So all all the targets that Greg Olson's been getting, I mean, I, I would expect him to get like 12-plus targets this game. I, yeah, I think that this is going to be a big game for Greg Olson um, as long as Cam Newton's playing. If Cam Newton's not playing, it'll be a good game for Greg Olson, but probably not like... <laughs> You know, top three tight end territory. Hmm. Uh, so you got the Giants playing in Tampa Bay at the Buccaneers, and I think at least one of these teams is going to exploit the matchup. Uh, the Giants are a dumpster fire waiting to happen. Um, someone just needs to throw a match on it, and that match is named Daniel Jones. So um, I would sit all the Giants you can afford to sit. I understand that sitting Saquon Barkley is not an option for pretty much everyone, but if you're playing DFS, avoid him. Uh, definitely. Uh, the Bucks have held opposing running backs to under six points in standard leagues. That includes Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, their defense has been surprisingly good. So it's... Yeah, Todd Bowles is freaking on a roll right now Yeah, uh, coordinating that defense. So Evan Ingram is the only giant that I'm comfortable starting, um, if only because you know the Buccaneers have to, as we said, you know something's got to give. The tight ends seem to be doing moderately okay against the Buccaneers so far. We saw Greg Olson had a decent game last week against them. Uh, on the other side, Jameis Winston actually looked good last Thursday night. Better than good for Jameis Winston anyways, let's say that. Uh, he's got a long week of rest and an easy home matchup to kind of prove that it wasn't a fluke and that he can keep playing football. Uh, the Giants have allowed over 27 points per game to the opposing quarterback, so it, this is where I'm okay with starting Winston. Uh, if someone dropped him in your league or something like that, uh, he's definitely a worthy pickup um, over the quarterbacks that we mentioned earlier. Um, so the Bucks wide receivers should do really well. The Giants have allowed four different double-digit wide receivers through two games. And this is standard scoring. You know, we're not getting free points for receptions here. Well, you already know what's going to happen. It's going to be good for Godwin, good for Evans, and good for Winston. Yeah, definitely. And I don't know what to make of the Buccaneers' backfield. If you have to start one of them because you drafted poorly or because of one reason or another, I guess Peyton Barber, right? I don't know. It's a really tough call because in week one it looked like Ronald Jones was actually a good guy, and then they didn't give him the ball at all in week two. So, I, I don't know. I, I think that Bruce Arians is trying to figure out this offense still, and it will, you know, it'll, it'll come to him. He's a smart coach. He'll figure it out. 
Uh, final matchup that I like to highlight is the Bengals playing the Bills. The first place Buffalo Bills, forget you New England Patriots, uh, are finally going to get a home game and uh, it'll be on Sunday against the Bengals. Uh, the Bengals have an improved offense, but they have not figured out how to win games yet. They are 0-2. Um, so they have allowed, the Bengals have allowed four opposing running backs to score at least 13 points on them. 13 points each. Uh, and they're giving up the most fantasy points on the season to uh, opposing running backs, over 35 points per game. So this is where, if he's healthy, uh, you start Devin Singletary. And uh, if he's not healthy, then you definitely start Frank Gore. And Frank Gore is a guy with a um, high floor either way. So if that's the kind of thing you need, if he's very cheap in DFS, that's an interesting start there. Um, so, you know, the thing about Frank Gore is that here on the podcast, we have predicting, predicted the demise of Frank Gore since probably 2013. Yeah, so it's just not ever going to happen. Yeah, we don't know what we're talking about <laughs> when it comes to Frank Gore. I'm just going to assume that he's going to run for 1,000 yards. And, sure. You know, that's sure. that. Why not? So I like Josh Allen here. Dave, you've got him ranked as the number 12 quarterback this week. Um, he is, he looks great. He runs a lot. He throws the ball well. He's started to develop a good rapport with John Brown, uh, at wide receiver. And I really think that, um, you know, Josh Allen could wind up being one of the, you know, maybe the best quarterback out of that draft class. Cause he's certainly playing better than Baker Mayfield who, you know, was arguably the best quarterback out of the class. Well, and Mayfield looked good last week. Um, but that's also an issue with how horrible the Jets were. So I mean, it's it, that's the hard thing, right? Is is you have to you have to really qualify what you're referring to uh, when you have a good offensive uh, go of it. Is is it just because the defense was so horrible in those respects? But I was glad to see Baker Mayfield throw a couple long touchdowns. That probably has as much to do with Odell Beckham as it does. With Baker Mayfield. Yeah, I think there was a slant that Odell took in the 80 yards. But it's good to have those weapons, etc. Well, yeah. But I do like Josh Allen because he also has that kind of double threat thing going. And Buffalo Bills don't have a lot of talent. It's just developing now. So if Josh Allen can perform better than Baker Mayfield on average with a lesser amount of talent, that that tells me he's maybe a better quarterback. Okay, that's fair enough. Um, So thanks for joining us, everybody. I... um, don't think I have anything more to add other than uh, make sure that you keep an eye on our website. Uh, coming up this week, we'll have the rookie report. We'll have some confidence pool advice. We'll have some other betting line advice. Dave will keep those rankings updated. Thank you, Dave, for that one. And um, drink five, everybody. Cheers. Yeah, maybe we'll bet on uh, Demarcus Robinson versus Nicole Hardman. I don't think we will. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, everybody.